Listener supported. WNYC Studios. You're listening to Brian Lehrer's Daily Politics Podcast. Today is Monday, August 21st. I'm Bridget Bergen, senior reporter in the WNYC and Gothamist newsroom, filling in for Brian today. We turn to the first official Republican debate of the 2024 presidential cycle. This Wednesday, at least nine candidates qualified for the televised debate on Fox News after meeting polling and donor thresholds. But as of right now, only eight are expected to meet on that Milwaukee debate stage. I think you know the one who has opted out, even though the Republican National Committee has not put together a formal list of who will be attending. The participating candidates have to sign a loyalty pledge to support whoever the Republican nominee ultimately ends up being. The frontrunner of the race, former President Donald Trump, has not done so and plans on some counter-programming with a one-on-one interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson at the same time as the debate. New polling data from 538 puts Trump at roughly 54 percent, with his closest competitors way behind. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at just 14 percent and entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy at over 8 percent. Also this week in Trump news, the former president is due to surrender to law enforcement in Fulton County, Georgia, on Friday at noon. He, along with 18 of his co-defendants, including Rudy Giuliani, Mark Meadows, and others, are expected for processing on the 41-count indictment handed down just last week. So joining me now to round up the latest is USA Today Washington Bureau Chief Susan Page, author of Madam Speaker, Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power. Susan, welcome back to WNYC. Hey, Bridget, it's great to be back with you again. So let's get into this debate preview and some of the other big issues for Republicans this cycle. Um Let's talk about the frontrunner of this race who will not be attending the debate. Trump posted yesterday on Truth Social that uh, he will not be attending, quote, the debates, plural. Susan, can you put this into some historical context? How often have presidential candidates just opted out of the debates entirely? Well, candidates in the past have sometimes uh, opted out of debates. That happened with George Bush. Uh, Ronald Reagan opted out of an early debate uh, in 1980. It's not it's not unprecedented. It is a little dangerous uh, because it enables the other candidates to say you're afraid to debate or you're afraid to be on stage. They can make fun of them. We'll see some of that, I, I suspect, on Wednesday from people like Chris Christie. Uh, but, you know, Trump is so far ahead. We have never had a candidate uh, for the, a nomination have this kind of consistent and huge lead at this point in the process and then lose the nomination. Mm. So I think that's what makes Donald Trump feel pretty confident he can afford not to be on that debate stage. And so, as I mentioned, he is opting instead, as the New York Times reports, to post a pre-taped interview with Tucker Carlson that (laughs) night. (laughs) You know, what is Trump trying to signal here? Well, I think Trump would like to get higher ratings than the actual debate gets. We'll Mm. see if that's possible with a pre-recorded interview that you post on a website. Uh, but I, th- I think he wants to make it, I think he wants to leave the impression that the candidate, his rivals, his Republican rivals are of so little importance that no one needs to watch the debate. Uh, and the fact is, when we're watching the debate, and of course, I'm going to watch it, I'm sure you will too, mm. 
we're going to be watching to see what they say about Donald Trump, even though he's not there on stage. He is not he is present in other ways. Hmm. I mean, to your point, it, it does seem like a very risky risky decision to to skip the debate entirely and then this interview itself it's it's going to be posted on an online platform where potentially some of his even his supporters you know might not view it might not go and watch it you know what are the risks for him in doing this the risk would be bigger if he had a clear Uh, if there was a clear alternative. And there was a time months ago when when, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis looked like he might be an actual credible alternative to Donald Trump, but he's still 40 points below him in national polls. He's trailing him in the polls that we've seen in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, His prospects have have faded. Um, uh, He's become, uh, his standing has gotten lower, not higher as he's campaigned. And the nervousness of big donors about DeSantis has risen. So this debate, in a way, is candidates trying to become the alternative to Trump because at the moment there isn't really one. If there's somebody really nipping at his heels, if there was somebody who was even within 10 points of Mm. Donald Trump in a key state, I think he would feel more of a compunction to show up. And, you know, Donald Trump is so unpredictable that there have long been those who have said he'll show up anyway. But that looks increasingly unlikely. Daniel from Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Welcome to WNYC. Thanks for putting me on. Um, I am a registered independent and I am I just switched my um, party affiliation because I've never voted in a primary. So I switched to become a Republican. And I'm very proud to say I will vote for whoever is second after Trump. <laughs> and Daniel, is so there, I, go ahead. Yeah, so my defining issue, I, you know, currently Christie looks great because he's not going to give Trump a free pass. If he's elected, he's not going to let him continue to, you know, be a treasonous person against the United States government. So, hmm. Daniel, thank you so much for your call. Thanks for listening and call us again. Let's talk for a minute about this recent Fox News poll with Ramaswamy, um, you know, rising in the polls, closing that gap between himself and DeSantis from 17 percentage points to five, coming in third place at this obviously extremely early stage in the race. Uh, For listeners who may not be familiar how is Ramaswamy positioning himself in the race? What kind of candidate is he? And, and and how is he sort of changing this field or at least trying to? You know, Ramaswamy's been interesting, um, an interesting candidate. I think that a lot of us didn't take him particularly seriously when he announced, but he's proved to be a really agile campaigner in a way that, for instance, DeSantis is not. And in a way, he does what some of the other candidates do in that he hugs Trump. He praises Trump. He does not criticize Trump. Uh, but he has managed to have a message that says, Trump was great. I want to do more. Trump was great. I want to move on to the next step. Um, he offers youth. He's only 38 years old, hmm. the youngest in the field. He's rich. He's already given his ca- loaned his campaign $15 million. That's not something all the candidates are in a position to do. He has an interesting life story. His parents immigrated here from, from India. So he is... Uh, he is very conservative, and he has campaigned a lot against wokeism, uh, whatever that means to you. He says the climate change agenda is a hoax. Um, 
he so he's he's got a, uh, a kind of a tough hard hard right message uh but he comes but he comes across with kind of this useful vigor and he he doesn't get he doesn't get as tied up in knots in talking about trump as some of the other candidates have done we are previewing the upcoming republican debate on wednesday let's go to john in the bronx john welcome to wnyc yes thank you so much for picking my call as a matter of fact I am a registered Democrat that I'm switching to the Republican Party just because of Chris Christie. I want to vote for him. He's such a, a, a strong person on his feet. He debates wisely. He talks intelligently. And he has really attracted me towards him and towards the Republican Party. And I think he is a very good alternative to Trump than uh, uh, DeSantis. DeSantis is declining because of his policies in in florida john and you don't want him to carry that to the national level john what is it about former governor christie besides his sort of strength and presentation is there something about him that really appeals to you and what was the moment yes what is a special thing about chris christie is that he was the first uh, uh, republican uh, candidate to uh, give, uh, give up and then give, uh, uh, give his support to Trump when Trump was campaigning in 2016. And then he was the very person who was bold enough to say, hey, Mr. Trump, what you are doing is wrong. And then he, he just distanced himself from him. And he, he is the same person who is telling the whole world, listen, this guy is being indicted for the fourth time and he's not a credible candidate to become a president again for the United States. And for his hmm. hand, I see sincerity in, in, in Chris Christie. I see genuineness in his criticism. And I see statesmanship in him. That is why I'm going for Chris Christie. For him, I'm switching come to, to Republican Party and voting for Chris Christie. John, thank you so much for that call. Um, Susan, kind of interesting there. We've had, you know, in our incredibly unscientific uh, callers, you know, two for Chris Christie so far, um, you know, any sense from you that he has the ability to, you know, do exactly what John kind of laid out there, which is to take that, you know, initial run for president back in 2016 when, you know, I think there was that famous meme of him standing right behind <laughs> President Trump um, and, and then be able to capitalize on the fact that he has now become someone who is active, vocally calling out the former president for his conduct in office. Um, you know, is that a strategy that, you know, you see is potentially one that could help Christie, you know, make some gains in the polls? You know, uh, Chris Christie would love to be, I hope he's listening to this show. He would be very pleased uh, to hear <laughs> about his support. You know, I, I, I think it's unlikely that Chris Christie is going to be the Republican nominee because he is taking on uh, Trump in a very frontal and pugnacious way. He's a skilled debater, a former prosecutor. You can see that when he's on a debate stage. Um, So I expect him to be really effective at mixing things up on the debate stage. And he could do well in a state like New Hampshire that has a lot of independent-minded voters, uh, no big uh, campaign going on in the Democratic side. Maybe there'll be a lot of crossover voters voting on the Republican side. Chris Christie could be a good but New Hampshire, the governor of New Hampshire, the popular governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, is also a figure who is very critical of Trump. Uh, but 
once you get out of New Hampshire, I think it is hard to make the case that Christie gets the nomination. You can make the case that Christie has the ability to affect the nomination mm. uh, just by his performance in these in these debates. Let's talk about what the polls are saying, Susan. Right now, polls can be tricky, especially this early in the race with so many candidates competing. It's such a big field. Um, And there's one candidate who's clearly dominating. How do you as a political journalist use these numbers so far out from the primaries at this point? Well, the thing to remember about polls is they do not tell you what will happen tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day. Mm. Things uh, there can be news developments. There can be catastrophes. Things can change, but they certainly tell you about what is happening today. And one of the things we look for in polls are, number one, they give us a lot of information about what voters care about, what they're thinking about, the issues that matter to them. And it also tells us something about the consistency and strength of a candidate's uh, position. And that's that's one of the reasons that Donald Trump seems to be in such a dominant position here. His his polling numbers, uh, as he has faced now four criminal indictments, have improved. He has a bigger lead now than he did before he was indicted for the first time there in a New York courtroom. That is something I think would have been hard for us to predict with any any confidence. But it does make us think that uh, even in the face of uh, turning himself in, we think probably on Friday for the for the latest of these uh, criminal charges, this one in in Atlanta, Georgia, even in the face of perhaps a trial uh, underway before the campaign, before the next election is held, even that is unlikely to shake his position as the likely Republican nominee. Hmm. Let's uh, go to Frank in Glen Cove. Frank, welcome to WNYC. Thank you. Thank you for taking my phone call. I appreciate this. I think um, I think one of the big things that needs to be recognized here is that, you know, how could how could President Trump's numbers be up with all these indictments? Well, I think the answer everyone's looking for is that we don't believe that he's a criminal. Uh, we don't believe that the 2020 election was was justified. We don't believe uh, we believe there's enough evidence, including the 2000 Mules documentary, showing all the data points from the cell phones of all the fake mail-in ballots that were caught on videotape, people dropping in multiple ballots into multiple drop boxes. The evidence is there. No one chose to see it. That's a crime within itself. And I think that people feel that President Trump did not get his fair term. He didn't get a second term that was rightfully his. I mean, who really believes Biden got 81 million votes? So, Frank, thank you so much for that call. And, Susan, you know, I think there's a lot that I think many people would dispute in some of Frank's comments there in terms of, you know, some of the facts. But I think what we did hear that here in that is probably the appeal that a lot of Um, The Trump campaign and certainly former President Trump himself is trying to make to voters that, you know, that is what you might expect to hear from someone who is still ardently supporting the former president. Any reaction to that call? Absolutely. Frank, I think we know that most Republican voters agree with Frank. Uh, They do not think Joe Biden was legitimately elected president. They don't trust the news media to cover fairly. Uh, what's happening. They don't trust the justice system uh, to be fair in dealing with Donald Trump. I do think that we have to note that the uh, allegation that the that Joe Biden did not legitimately win the election has been debunked. Mm-hmm. It's been, been debunked in courtrooms in a series of key states. It's been debunked 
in investigations, including by Republican officials uh, in states like Georgia and Arizona. Um, and so this, in my view, this in, in, in the record in courts is also has debunked every allegation of significant voter fraud. Uh, of the kind of voter fraud that would have cost and flipped a state from Joe Biden to Donald Trump. However, it is a powerful belief by most Republicans. And I think it is one of the big threats, actually, to our democracy. Mm. Uh, I think we have uh, big challenges to the American democracy. I've been covering this is my I guess this is my 12th presidential campaign I've covered. Hmm. And I have more concerns myself about the future of our democracy than I've had in the previous 11. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a very chilling time in many ways. Um, let's talk a little bit about how Trump is trying to make his case beyond uh, simply, you know, some of what we heard there from from our last caller and what we've just talked about talked about um, in the ways that he has already pivoted to attacking President Joe Biden as if there were this was already a general election. Here's a little clip from one of his recent political ads. Trump made us safer, wealthier and more secure. Prices were low, groceries affordable. We were beating China, jobs coming home. Our border was secure. But Joe Biden's America, wages down, prices soaring, families struggling. Only Trump's ready to get our economy, our country, back on track. Oof, okay, so, <laughs> Susan, um, let's talk about how Trump is trying to position, position himself against President Biden in terms of policy, so to speak. Um, is it any really different than how he was trying to compare himself during the last election? Well, those are some of the same issues. Immigration, of course, was his original issue since he came down the escalator uh, in 2015 to announce his campaign. It continues to be an issue that really animates his voters. Uh, and he, you heard him talk about China and the economy. Now, one problem is the economy at the moment looks under Joe Biden looks pretty good. Mm. Uh, we've had two years of really historic job growth. We've seen inflation, which was definitely a big problem. We've seen it come down. We now have the possibility of what they call a soft landing, where we can get inflation under control without tipping the economy into a recession. I think the economic argument gets a little harder to make, especially if people begin to actually believe and see in their own lives what we're seeing in the economic data. Um, you notice one thing, there are some issues he, he chose not to talk about. For instance, we don't hear, uh, uh, we don't hear uh, President, former President Trump talk about the issue of abortion. Uh, you know, that is an issue that we've seen be very powerful in a series of elections, including the last uh, in a series of elections uh, in a way that is um, uh, perilous yeah. for Republicans since the Roe v. Wade uh, access to abortion protections were overturned by the Supreme Court. Uh, but I think we I think what we are hearing is a preview of what. Donald Trump will try to say about Joe Biden that he's not been a good steward of the economy, hmm. that he's a weak leader, and that everything was better when Donald Trump was in the White House. I mean, I think one of the points that you raised there, I'm curious, in terms of the abortion issue, you know, we have heard some of the other candidates um, talk about how they support a 15-week national ban. Trump's stance on that has been much more noncommittal. Do you think that is an issue that will come up much on Wednesday night, particularly given that Trump is not there? 
Yeah, I, I hope so, because I think it's an important issue that Americans care about those on both sides of the issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Trump has been Trump is not in a promise to back a national abortion ban at 15 weeks. Neither is DeSantis, even though DeSantis signed a six week abortion ban in Florida. You see a lot of uh, and even Vivek uh, Ramaswamy and Chris Christie say there shouldn't be a national uh, abortion ban. There's there's nervousness in Republican ranks while the the Republican base is strongly anti-abortion. A lot of swing voters, especially women, have found this to be an issue that has convinced them to vote for Democrats in the last few elections. Mm. We, I think most analysts think that the issue of abortion was a big factor in costing Republicans that red wave they expected at the last midterm election and didn't see. Let's talk about some of the other issues that uh, may come up on Wednesday night. Um, the issue of China. The GOP candidates are, are pretty unanimous in their stance that China poses the greatest risk to the United States. Uh, the question for the candidates is how and to what extent to you know, sever the intertwined economic ties between the two countries. How do you expect that issue and, and the issue of China to come up on the debate stage on Wednesday night? You know, I th- as, you, as you just said, I think the, the opposition to China, the warnings about China pretty are pretty uh, unanimous uh, through the across the Republican ranks. Actually, we've heard uh, President Biden take a tough stance toward China after since taking office as well. So that's not an issue that really divides them. You know, if you're thinking about foreign policy, the issue that divides Republicans is aid to Ukraine, Mm. uh, because we do have some Republicans, including 70 Republican members of the House who voted to cut off U.S. aid, additional U.S. aid to Ukraine, when while other Republicans, uh, including uh, Chris Christie, for one, uh, and Mike Pence for another uh, have stood with stood in support of additional U.S. military and economic aid to Ukraine. That's an issue that might be more interesting to hear about on Wednesday night. Hmm. Um, another issue that is likely to come up, of course, is immigration. Uh, Trump's stance on immigration was, you know, at one point seen as pretty right wing fringe politics, but many of the candidates have seemed to align themselves with calls for not only securing the border, but also adding military force, even ending birthright citizenship, both DeSantis and Ramaswamy, Ramaswamy, among others, you know, have put forth those two policies. Can you talk a little bit about the outsized impact Trump has had on immigration policies of this, of the right and, and of this field of candidates? Oh, it's it's remarkable what we hear about, about immigration now. Ending birthright citizenship uh, some analysts, some legal analysts say that's not constitutional. Um, the the use of violence against migrants trying to cross the border, uh, using military force against them, putting uh, the, more of those uh, more of those buoys that, that Texas has put uh, in the Rio Grande. Uh, you know, some of them uh, we've seen migrants caught in in barbed wire. We've seen some deaths result. I mean, immigration is an issue that has inflamed. Uh, the Republican ranks. And it's one that that uh, re- seems to resonate with a lot of Republican voters. And we've really seen these candidates respond to that. Well, we will leave it there for now. A lot to watch this week on Wednesday and again on Friday. My guest has been Susan Page, USA Today, Washington Bureau Chief and the author of Madam Speaker, Nancy Pelosi and the Lessons of Power. Susan, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thank you, Bridget. 
Brian Lehrer, a daily politics podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.